Hey guys, today's episode of Table 40 on the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network is presented by our Increase Store and our Bible in a Year Engagement Journal, which you should pick up your copy today, especially with Matt and Leslie going through the Bible in a year. This is the companion that's going to help you, the guide that's going to help you through the passages of Scripture each and every day. You want to get this journal right now at theincrease.com theincrease.com. It's affordable and it's the perfect companion to help you grow in your faith and to stay connected to God through his word each and every day. The Bible in a Year Engagement Journal. Get yours today at theincrease.com. What's up, guys? It's Leslie today on Table 40, and we are just continuing our quest through the Bible in a year. We um, are, man, we're going to start on day 11. And I have a great guest with me today because Matt couldn't be with me. I brought um, our son Ethan on the podcast. And if any of you guys know our family, um, I think the one thing you're going to see very clearly, uh, consistent, I guess, thing in our life is how much we we love our crew. And so I'm crazy about my four kids. God has been so gracious to allow me to be a mama of Jackson, Ethan, Grayson, and Reed. And today I just have my buddy on here and we're going to be really honest. Like Ethan's not going through the Bible in a year with us. He doesn't sit in his room and search scriptures, but we talk about Jesus all the time in our family. And so just from a a very practical place, mamas and dads, um, man, weave Jesus in in all the conversations you have, the fun ones and the hard ones. And so is that fair? Is yeah, that an accurate fair. description? Yeah, it's fair. Yeah. And so as we've been going through a Bible in a year, we have sort of, I've been thinking about it nonstop because I really have dedicated time to go into my office and sit down and read scripture and follow this Bible engagement plan that we have on the increase.com. And it's really fun. You can pick it up now, even if you haven't started, there's a long way to go. We're just in Genesis in Matthew. So we we've got a whole, uh, there's a big, long journey ahead of us, but I think it's really cool in a family where you want to have Christ be the center of your home. Um, I believe more is caught than taught. So we don't, sit around and preach to you guys, but we do bring Jesus up whenever we can. So, right. Yeah, that's right. All right. So Ethan's going to do this with me. We're just going to have like a, a pretty fun, I think, interaction. We'll see how this goes. (laughs) Are you excited? Yeah, we're excited. All right, buddy. We started uh, day 11. So we're just going to start with day 11, January 11th. And the reading that we had was Genesis 24, 1 through 67, Matthew 9, 14 through 38, and Psalm 8, 1 through 9. And as we as we get started, I think the flow should be, let's go through Genesis, we'll go through Matthew, and we may highlight a Psalm or a Proverb right. along the way. And so as we go through Genesis today, or or I'm not, not today, but day 11, we talk about Isaac and Rebecca. And um, Isaac and Rebecca is this incredibly detailed love story. Did you know there are detailed love stories in scripture? I did not. Well, jump in, buddy, because in Genesis, there's this really detailed love story between Rebecca and Isaac. And what was fascinating is Abraham um, is really old at this point. In in, um, chapter 24, verse 1, it says, Abraham was now very old, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. 
And he said to his senior servant in the household, the one charge of, of all that he had. So basically the senior servant was the man he trusted the very most. And he gave him this job that was really, really important. And he said this, put your hand under my thigh. And I want you to swear by the Lord of God in heaven and God of earth that you're going to go get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son, Isaac. Um, So he basically is saying, look, there's a woman I want you to search for, but she can't be from the Canaanite tribe. She needs to be from this other part of the country. And I need you to go get a wife for my son. And so when you very first read that as a young man, do you think, man, that's weird. (laughs) It's not that weird. weird. He he put like his hand under his thigh and made a promise. Do we need to start doing that from now on (laughs) in this house? Like Ethan, I'm going to put my hand under your thigh and you're going to promise me that you're not going to marry a girl from the Canaanite tribe. You've got to marry a girl from another place. Uh, That's pretty weird. That's pretty weird. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it's weird. But I think a key to being a good Bible teacher or explaining the Bible is, is how do we bridge the gap between what was said and kind of what was the heart behind it? And I think the heart behind it was, hey, I trust you. And this really matters. And God is is building something. God is on the move through our family line. And I need you to go help me find a wife for my boy. Because that was custom back in those days. And so even Father Abraham and his wife, it really mattered. Um, marriage really mattered. Yeah. And uniting um, a man and a woman for life really did matter in, to them as well mm. as us. Yeah. So that's kind of it's cool cool yeah. right and so anyway so this this servant is super obedient and he loves abraham and he does what abraham asked him to do and in verse 12 we see this really cool prayer that the servant prayed and so the servant was praying before he goes um on this this mission to to do the thing that I, abraham asked him to do and he said lord god of my master abraham make me successful today and show kindness to my master abraham um, see, I am standing beside a spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I see a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says, drink, I will water your camels too. And let her um, be the one that you have chosen for your servant, Isaac. By this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And so again, weird setting, something weird setting. that we can't really <laughs> relate to. But there's beauty in, there must have been something about the way Abraham interacted with God mm-hmm. that this servant, like more was caught than taught in that home. And this servant knew like, I can trust Abraham's God in such a way, but I need him to show me for sure, for sure mm-hmm. who this woman should be. So I'm going to ask this crazy detailed prayer, but I kind of, I trust that, yeah. that Abraham's God is going to be faithful to answer this prayer just the way I asked. Isn't that interesting? interesting. And I think in homes, like, I think, I think that more is caught than taught. Mm -hmm. I think that this servant trusted um, Abraham's God to be faithful because Abraham trusted him Mm -hmm. to be faithful. That's kind of neat. So anyway, all in all, this is exactly what happens. Rebecca comes to the well. This exactly what this servant prayed is, is what happened. And he know, he knew for sure that Rebecca was the one that, um, should be married to Isaac. So anyway, and then Rebecca goes home and through a series of events, 
Um, she kind of does what her father-in-law did. She boldly walked in faith. She left her family and country and settled in Canaan, right? Yeah, that's cool. So it's a beautiful story. So day 12, we're in Genesis 25, 1 through 26. And we learn that Abraham has died. Um, he left everything to his son, Isaac. And when we reflect on the life of Abraham and notice the faith, we can notice clearly the faithfulness of God mm -hmm. in his story. And I think when we're reading the Old Testament, we need to think through that is like, look at how faithful God has been. And God can use um, a really messed up family mm -hmm. to to move forward the mission and purposes that he has. And I think that there's encouragement in that, um, that God can use our, they say sometimes, right? God can use our mess and make it a message. But I do think like the focus here is the faithfulness of God yeah. in the midst of, of a pretty dysfunctional family. Mm -hmm. And so in Genesis 25, 19, I think a highlight on day 12 was we're beginning to see the family of Isaac and he and Rebecca have twins. So there's twins in Rebecca's belly. And it seems like the boys have a tough relationship from the very beginning. Um, their conflict is documented throughout scripture um, for a little while anyway. And um, and uh, this this birthright belongs to Esau, Esau, but he sells it for a bowl of beans and the older one is going to serve the younger one. So as you're, as you're reading this day and, um, or if you go back and read this day, like think through that, that, yeah. that the birthright belonged to Esau, but he sold it for a bowl of beans. And there was serious conflict between the brothers in that home. And, um, anyway, that conflict is going to kind of continue for a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> and so anyway, um, all right, we moved to day 13 and we're in Genesis 27, one through 28. Um, in Genesis, we see that Jacob takes Esau's blessing. So he's doing it again. And what's fascinating, Ethan, is Jacob means deceiver, um, okay. which is kind of wild. So throughout his life, he kind of, he kind of, uh, makes it, he, it's true about him. Like he really struggles with being deceitful, um, and not being honest, but we see that Jacob takes Esau's blessing. Esau is furious when he learns what Jacob has done. Um, Jacob's taken his birthright. Now he's taken his blessing. And Esau's determined to kill his brother. Mama finds out and sends Jacob to live with his brother, to live with her brother in Haran. Before he leaves his parents, uh, they make it clear that it would, be it would be in his best interest to stay away from Canaanite women. So it's just so fascinating, you know, that like dynamics in a family um, then were similar to they are now yeah, yeah. like jealousy and deceit and um mama telling her boy like hey hey stay away from those canaanite women it's not good for you you know and so it's it's wild right yeah. and like you think about that and these were real people that lived in a real home that had real issues um but god is still faithful mm -hmm. is that encouraging yeah no, that's really encouraging yeah so there was there was some stuff that went on and again like uh, we just don't have time to go through every single detail, but I really do encourage you to read this in Genesis 27, 1 through 28, just about how this was done. And yeah. so it was done, um, you know, like like Esau was a hunter and and he was the oldest and his dad said, hey, go out and and kill something for me and, and make me some good food and, and then I will bless you. I will give you my blessing. And so Jacob heard that, that that's what was going to go on. So Jacob totally deceived him and he took over, he took some meat out of the refrigerator and made this gamey food and, um, and, and put, 
hair on his arms and his daddy couldn't see. And he went in and he deceived his dad to give him the blessing. So it was just pretty messed up situation. Um, but that's kind of what caused the rift and it was, it wasn't good. Yeah. Um, in Genesis 28, 10 through 22, we read about Jacob's dream at Bethel. So Jacob has left the home. Um, he's actually fleeing for his life because his brother was like, I'm going to kill you. Like things were, things were tense at home. So he leaves. Um, and in Genesis 28, 10 through 22, we read about Jacob's dream at Bethel. And again, this is, this is a, a really, it would be in your best interest to read this. It's really fascinating. And Jacob experienced God in this, in this dream. And it seems that there was a stairway in the dream. And this may teach us that there's a very real connection between heaven and earth. Um, I think we should pay attention to verses 13 through 15. And we can also see that there's a very real connection between God and man. And God promises to be with Jacob, watch over Jacob wherever he goes. He promises to bring him back to this land and he's not going to leave him. Um, God basically promises to keep his promise. And don't forget this portion of scripture as the story of Jacob shakes out. I have a feeling you're going to see some of his story in our story. And it is really fascinating like to think about this Jacob's ladder in his dream to where heaven and earth um, touch. And so I think as believers now and and all that we know about Jesus Christ and those of us that are in Christ, um, when we pray, like we are praying to to God in heaven and Jesus hears our prayers and he's in heaven waiting to return. So is that encouraging to you? Does that mean make your prayer life feel more real? Like I even think imagining a ladder, like in all of our, our prayers, just yeah. going straight to the source yeah, it's beautiful i think it changes the way that you prayer when you pray changes the way you pray changes the way your prayer means yeah <laughs> easy for me to say yeah. but i think that we're gonna see a lot of um our story in jacob's story and just um his his tripping up and his failure but god's faithfulness and i think all of us can relate to that is that god is faithful even when we're not and God is steadfast and, um, and just such a place of stability, even when, even when we're not. And so as we get into day 14, um, it's Genesis 29, one through 30, um, Jacob arrives, um, where he's supposed to arrive and, and, um, he meets Rachel at the well. So we have this another well scene. So I guess like a well back then was kind of like a really, great Mm -hmm. restaurant or a bar or something and so it's a place to meet people apparently yeah steakhouse i don't know and so uh he meets rachel at the well he falls in love with her um and he offers to work for seven years in order to marry her so things were a little bit different back then there was a price for bride and he goes up to rachel's daddy and he's like hey i'll work for you for seven years i want to marry her i love her um and this is so bad listen to the story so on the day of their wedding, um, the father-in-law, Rachel's dad, had other plans and he deceived Jacob. So it's kind of fascinating how Jacob was this deceiver his whole entire life. And he ran into this father-in-law and he's met a fellow deceiver, I guess. And so uh, he had other plans and he deceived Jacob and sent Leah, the older sister, who scripture says was not attractive. Yeah. Like that stinks to be yeah. in the Bible known as Leah, the unattractive oh. one. And so he sends the unattractive sister down the aisle. And um, I guess like lights weren't really a thing. They wore a veil. So Jacob's standing at the end of the aisle thinking that he's receiving Rachel, the one that he loves. Oh, and yeah. the next morning he wakes up and he's like, what 
just happened. You're not Rachel, you're Leah, you know? Truly, that's what the Bible says. So that can't be good. No, that can't be good. No, no, you're not happy. But because of his love for Rachel, he didn't just bounce. He stayed. He wakes up the next morning. He's clearly very irritated with his father-in-law, still so in love with Rachel. And he, but he goes to the father-in-law and he says, I will commit another seven years so that I can marry Rachel. So now think about it. There's two wives. So we've got Leah, who's unattractive. Leah, the one he doesn't really like. The one he really likes. He's got Rachel, the one he's in love with. And so he works 14 years just to marry Rachel, the one that he loves. And so uh, needless to say, there's like this like Jerry Springer kind of vibe in Genesis. Yeah, I got it. That's wild. Yeah. That is wild. (laughs) And so, but that's the Bible. And the Bible doesn't like it. It speaks to reality, but again, we can shine a light on the faithfulness of God to move through a family that's so stinking dysfunctional. It should give many of us hope. Yeah, a lot of people hope. <laughs> a lot of people hope. And so, including the holiday family. So, all right, day 15, we're moving right along. We're in Genesis 31, 1 through 55. And seriously, who we can't say that scripture is boring. This isn't boring. No, this is like, tell me more, tell yeah, me yeah. more. <laughs> So, it's like a Netflix show. Yeah, it is a Netflix show for sure. <laughs> so in Genesis today, the Lord instructs Jacob to go home to Canaan. And Jacob tells his wives, we've got uh, Rachel and we've got Leah. So his wife Leah or Rachel? They're both wives. So yeah, so the moral of the story is it's better just to have one wife. And so this isn't a good idea. God didn't instruct this. No, no, this was life. man's free will. Yeah, one spouse for life. Yeah, This isn't what he did. So he has Rachel. He has Leah. Um, we missed several things throughout. And again, like we just don't have time. These are highlights that I think are worth highlighting. Yeah, yeah. But when we go through it, there's a, a lot that I missed. A lot that I missed is like, man, there were a lot of a lot of babies in here. So we've oh. got Leah has babies. Rachel has babies. Everyone has babies. And you just got to read it for yourself. Now yeah. you're probably like, you Not know what? Like, I'm going to get into this. I yeah, got to know what's happening. But on day 15, we're in Genesis 31, 1 through 55. And the Lord instructs Jacob to go home. And he's like, enough is enough. It's time to go home. Jacob tells his wife, Rachel and Leah, and invites them to come with him. And he's like, let's go. Um, they agree and they all secretly head out um, because it was sort of, um, and, and you can see if you read in scripture that it wasn't, it was a tough decision. Yeah. And so um, everyone agrees to head out. On the way out of town, Rachel steals her father's gods. Which is so gods back in in those days were these little oh, like action figures. Yeah, like little action little action figures is exactly <laughs> what they were. So Rachel swipes them on the way out of town, and Daddy discovers that they have left, and he went looking for him. He finds him in this hill country, and Laban and Jacob have a heated exchange, and so that's father in law, dad of Rachel and Leah, grandpa to all these babies, and Jacob. They have a heated exchange. Um, and then he confronts me, says, and by the way, why would you steal my gods? Yeah. And Rachel lies about it. She deceives her father. Um, and so it's fascinating. Like this family has just such a passion for deception, I guess. And you just see it over and over and over again. And there's this pattern of lying and lying and lying and deceiving. Um, but I think that we can see that God is with Jacob. Um, in the end, these two guys make a treaty. They part ways peacefully um, and they agree to live in harmony with one another. And um, we go on to day 16, Genesis 32, 1 through 33. Um, 
And so 20 years have passed, right? Do you remember the Esau and Jacob conflict yeah. that went on and brothers, like older brothers, like, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And mom is like, go, oh, go. Oh, and yeah. all of these things. And so now 20 years have passed and, and they're about to meet back up. Yeah. And Jacob is freaking out because Esau was clearly upset at what happened. Yeah. Jacob, over the course of time, probably felt really bad about yeah. how that whole thing went. And um, they're about to meet up. And so uh they we read about this reunion and it's really fascinating yeah. but before we get there we get this uh little little blip in scripture about how Jacob wrestled with God and um it's fascinating and again i highly recommend like diving into scripture and reading all the details that go into Jacob wrestling uh with this man or you know some commentators believe it's god or an angel like no one no one no really one really knows yeah. but it's this interaction between jacob and a heavenly being but this passage of scripture is super interesting um i think that i can appreciate like jacob's determination yeah. and it says in verse 26 um that jacob tells this man hey i'm not going to let you go unless you bless me and so you can see this like strength and determination and and you saw it throughout his whole entire life. Like he did it twice with his brother. He's like, I'll sell you that bowl of beans for your birthright. I'm going to dress up like my brother and, and make some stew and deceive my dad for the blessing. And there was this theme in Jacob's life that I'm not letting go unless you bless me. Um, and then during this interaction and this exchange with the angel or with God, um, they change his name to Israel. And this name change is super significant yeah. because, you know, Israel now is mm -hmm. a nation. And so God is on the move and moving uh, this family towards becoming the nation of Israel, wow. which is fascinating. Scripture is so fascinating. Yeah, is. But I believe that um, this is this just is worth reading. And, 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 you know, the thing too, E, like, I wonder sometimes if, we need to do a better job in praying in this way. Yeah. Not not demanding things from the Lord, but a persistence in our prayer life to where we're like, God, I'm going to hold on to you. I'm going to hold yeah. on to you until I, I don't know. I mean, is it, would it be receive his blessing or would it be like, just feel his peace? Mm -hmm. Like, like, why don't we have this determination to have this peace from God or like this feeling that we feel connected to God in such a way that, we just hold on to him when things are hard. Yeah. Oh no. I, I like that about Jacob. That's cool. So anyway, so then as so there there's just like little stop in this, but then in Genesis 33, we're back to this. Here they go. These brothers are gonna meet up again. And it's sort of tense. Like when you're reading it, it is like a, yeah. a really good book. You're like, what's gonna <laughs> happen when Jacob and Esau get back together? And so Jacob anticipated the worst, but in verse four, it tells us something really cool that Esau the brother that had been wounded and deceived by Jacob ran to his brother and embraced him. And Esau forgave his brother. Wow. And it's just this really cool scene that Esau has been blessed and he has a whole crew with him. And, and Jacob has been blessed and has a whole crew with him and they meet and Jacob's anticipating the worst, but because of, I guess it's just a beautiful picture of forgiveness and grace. Esau embraces his brother. And there's this really cool exchange between the two, um, but Esau forgives him. And in verse 10, Jacob says something really cool. He said, seeing you, Esau, your face was like seeing the face of God. Because I think forgiveness is really powerful. And I think Esau treated Jacob in a way that he did not deserve. And we see throughout scripture, the same is true. Forgiveness and obviously forgiveness of our sins 
and salvation offered through Christ alone is um, something that we just don't deserve. Yeah. So have you been forgiven in a way where you're like anticipating like, oh, uh oh, this is <laughs> yeah. not going to go well. Yeah. And then you're shocked by an embrace or forgiveness. Feeling, yeah. Yeah. Does that make you feel like, does that, I guess, illuminate some things about the Lord that are awesome? I mean, I knew the Lord was pretty awesome, but yeah, yeah, it does. It does. It That's does. It reminds you of the goodness of God. Yeah. Forgiveness reminds you of the goodness of God and how God's given us everything, but we don't deserve any yeah. of it. And like, sometimes you'll feel like, oh man, like everything's bad. Everything's crashing down. And then you're like, well, God will forgive me. Yeah. Like, it's going to be fine. Yeah. Everything's going to be yeah. fine. <laughs> I need to take this stuff confidently yeah, exactly. to the Lord. And not, so, not, and I yeah, can't not be timid and just go straight up with him. And just, yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. See, we can learn things from the old Testament. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the Grumpy Testament. No, it's not. It's okay, not. but wait, you're right. you are going. You won't believe this story. This is in the Bible. Okay, day seventeen in Genesis thirty-four, um, we get to a really tough portion of scripture that, again, like the Bible does not shy away from from life mm -hmm. and reality. So we read about Jacob's daughter Dinah, um, and we click, quickly learn in the Bible that she was raped. And her brothers were mad. I mean, they were enraged. They found out that sister was was raped, and they craft this very detailed and deceit, deceitful, shocking plan to kill the guy that raped her. And um, you're going to read today that brothers not only killed this boy that raped the sister, but killed every male, looted the city, and and took the sister home. Wild. It's okay. in the Bible, and yes. we um. Genesis 35, we see that uh, Jacob returns to Bethel. God told Jacob to go to Bethel, and Jacob was obedient to go. So these are Jacob's sons that did this. Yeah. And there's this interaction, like Jacob, Jacob was basically like, was this all that necessary to do this? And the brothers were like, yeah, it was necessary to do this. This is what they did to my sister. And Jacob was like, well, this is going to cause problems for us you know, in our family. Yeah. Um, but again, like scripture doesn't shy away from it. That's to me how I know that the word of God is accurate and true because yeah. it's just all out there yeah. in this family and like all of their secrets are, <laughs> yeah. are there. And so uh, we get into Genesis 35 and Jacob returns to Bethel. God told Jacob to go to Bethel and Jacob was obedient. Um, I've noticed that Jacob has grown in his personal relationship with God. When we very first meet Jacob, it was kind of like, this is my, this is my father's God. Yeah. And he was like, uh, it was like, kind of like a little timid in his relationship with God. But as, as we see Jacob grow into a man and we see the experience that Jacob has with God, um, we can see that Jacob is developing this confidence in God. And I noticed it specifically like in Genesis 28, 12 through 21, Jacob says, if God will be with me, and he uses the, if God will be with me. And now that we're in Genesis 25, we see this confidence in Jacob. And he tells his whole household, get rid of all the foreign gods or the action figures. Yeah. Get rid of them all. Purify yourselves and change your clothes. So basically what that saying is, is that we, under my leadership, we serve one God. Yeah. And, and, and this is the holy God, the God of my father. Mm -hmm. And it's cool to see boldness. And I think when we look in our own lives, I mean, you're 15 years old and you were raised in a Christian home. And I do think that 
there's things that are appealing about Christ because we've made him appealing. But as you grow, you're going to develop this confidence in God. So when you lead your family someday, or, or you're starting to lead yourself a little bit more, I mean, you're about to be 16 and, yeah. and you're kind of, you know, literally driving, but also the captain of, of your story. Like yeah. you, it's true. Like there has to be a time in your life where, where it's not about my faith, but it's yours. Yeah. And you see that in, in his story, which I think is really, cool. really interesting. Yeah. And just the confidence that he has in the goodness of God and he wants to follow him and leads in such a way where he's like, no, no, this is where we're going. Mm-hmm. And this is what we're doing. Um, and I, I think that Jacob really starts to understand like God's the one who's faithfully provided for us. Yeah. Um, and when, when we read verse nine, nine through 12, we understand that Jacob is the heir to the covenant. So we have Abraham, we have Isaac, we have Jacob slash renamed Israel yeah. and God made a covenant with this family and a nation is developing. And we see that like God is on the move. All right. So it's super powerful yeah. and awesome to think about. Oh, that's super cool. It is, yeah. isn't it? So now you probably want to read this I with know, all I your friends. It. It's super, it is like a Netflix yeah, like this is cool. action story. Action and adventure. Action and adventure. I mean, they were on a journey. There's so many details I left out, yeah. but it's it's fascinating, yeah. you know? And so, all right, we're in Matthew now. So we're going to roll through Matthew, same thing, day 11 through day 17. And we're in the New Testament, and this is stuff that you're going to be more familiar with. Yeah. But when you look at the Old Testament, and you look at the New Testament, like they just, um, it's such it's such a beautiful thing. Yeah. It's not, the Old Testament is so relevant to the New Testament because it all points to Jesus. And like, there's this coming Messiah that is going to make the Old Testament make a whole lot more sense. And so it's beautiful. It's like building towards something. And so the Old Testament is well worth your time and energy, understanding it and reading through it. Um, So we're in Matthew 9, 14 through 38. And again, like when we read this, like just focus on the heart of Jesus Christ. Um, And he continues to enter spaces that are countercultural He's in this particular passage of scripture, we see that women are valuable to Jesus and um, there is grace and healing for the unclean. And I think something when you think about the heart of Christ, Ethan, and you are trying to become more like Jesus, it's very important that you have the boldness to enter spaces that other people say you shouldn't enter and be willing to say, no, if I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to sit with a kid. And I'm going to be a great teammate to the kid that everybody else has kind of unqual- like deemed not qualified. Yeah. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. And I think that you do a really good job of that because Jesus does it continually is that he touches the unclean and he enters spaces that the culture at the time says, oh, no. Yeah, it's all right. Can't go there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Matthew 10, 1 through 33 uh, the 12 were called. So Jesus has his team of the disciples and the 12 were called by Jesus to have, um, to follow him closely throughout his ministry. But in this reading this morning, we learn that Jesus sends out the 12. And so in this particular passage of scripture in Matthew 10, one through 33, he's instructing them to replicate his ministry. It's time to put their learning into practice. And so they've been following him around, observing what he does. Now it's go time. It's time to go do it. And when I was reading through this and 
in making my notes, um, I thought of this quote by Alexander the Great. <laughs> Weird, I know, but in, in his quote says, I'm not afraid of an army of lions led by sheep, but, but I am afraid of an army of sheep led by a lion. Jesus. And I thought, Jesus is the lion. And so, and it's so incredibly true that we've got these men that were um, seemingly not qualified to do what they did. Yeah. But because Jesus was a lion, he was able to lead these men um, and teach them and right to do yeah. things that only lions can do. Lions can do. But they were just sheep. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's cool. And it is kind of neat, you yeah, know. That's and cool. yeah, and I think when we feel um, unqualified, not confident, when we feel like this Christian stuff is just too hard. We have to remember who our leader is in yeah. like, you know, and really think about the true identity of Jesus Christ and that, yeah, scripture says he's the lion and the lamb, but he's a fierce leader yeah. that can be trusted. And it's never a bad idea to, to live a life modeled after Jesus Christ, oh. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's hard. It's hard, but I mean, it's so worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. And so we see in Matthew 10, 13 through 11, 15. Um, and, and Jesus says this, and this kind of messed with me. I'm not going to lie. I thought about it all day long when I read it. Um, he says, don't suppose that I've come to bring peace to earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. So what do you think about when, does it seem peace weird? Peace and a sword. No, he says, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. So remember, he's talking to his disciples okay. in this context, and he's he's uh, he's visiting with them about replicate my ministry. This is the mindset that you have to have. So don't suppose I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And they're like, what? Wait a second. On the Sermon on the Mount a second ago, you said you were peaceful and all yeah. of these wonderful things. But I think the message of Jesus is peace for believers. Absolutely. But when you're going out to replicate the the ministry of Jesus, when you're going out to say, look, this is who Jesus is, there has to be this sword. And what he's saying like that, what he's saying is, is that there's a uh, dividing line. Like, how are you going to respond to the message of the gospel? Are you you're either going to commit your life to Jesus Christ and respond with pledging your allegiance to Jesus yeah. or you you're you're not in right and so yeah. i think that's what the sword means it's like jesus isn't this kumbaya kind of guy where he's saying like man all is good all is good love is love da, da, da. like all of that stuff it's not what jesus says what jesus says is like the gospel is not neutral or passive and there's going to be this interpersonal conflict in our soul when we hear it and we're either going to move towards jesus christ and and pledge our allegiance to him and desire to obey um the gospel and in in the the things that we learn about in scripture yeah. or we're gonna we're gonna move away but the gospel demands a response and that sword is the division that happens when a person chooses to reject jesus and the message of the gospel no so the dividing line is between those who follow jesus and those who reject him yeah that's wild yeah. So to me, like when I read this passage of scripture and the one before where like the Jesus is the lion vibe, I think about Jesus more of a SEAL Team 6, like Navy SEAL kind of guy. Cutthroat, like. Yeah. Yeah. Like the kingdom is real. Yeah, you gotta be. You like gotta warrior be. stuff. Yeah. 
like warrior stuff. That's what I'm reading right now. That's what I'm feeling right now. Like he was no, like, like had such a presence that, that everyone was like, yeah, man, you're either in yeah. or you're not in. You're either with this or you're not with this. But like, the, like there's some people around you're just like, all right, I'd run through a wall for him. Yeah. Like that's Jesus. That's totally Jesus, right? Like he comes around, like he's just firm and serious and like real. There had to have been something so appealing about the way Jesus led that these guys gave up their life for this. I mean, everyone did. It feels like everyone in the Bible gave up everything for him. Or they were willing. I mean, they wanted to kill him. Yeah. Or yeah. So you can't be like a neutral guy. No, you got to be. Like something happened when when you were around Jesus where you're like, I'm with you. I'm willing to die for you or I'm going to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, that's what the Bible says. So that's what we got to think about when we read scripture. Like look at other people's responses to his words. And it was so not neutral. No, no one left Jesus and thought, meh. Meh. Yeah. You know, no, no. it's crazy. All right. Day 14. We're rolling right along. Um, in Matthew, we see a break in the narrative. After Jesus finished instructing the disciples, he went on to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. Um, it's important to note in our reading today that there seems to be growing hostility towards Jesus. We just talked about that. Like the more he talks, the more people lean in and the more people pull away because the more he starts to share, like, this is what the kingdom of God is. There's those that run towards and there's those that run away. And this dividing line starts to happen and it becomes more clear. Well, John the Baptist, this is one of, this is one of my most favorite portions of scripture is uh, just the reality again, that we see in the word of God is so comforting to me as I navigate, um, where I've come from and where I'm, where I'm going. I know those things for sure. Like God knit me together in my mom's womb. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I've created in the image of God. I know where I'm going. I know when I take my last breath, I'm going to be with Jesus Christ, but this space in between can be a little tricky at times, you know? And I love this portion of scripture because, okay, we see that there's this growing hostility towards Jesus, but there's also a lot of growing doubt. And John the Baptist is sort of the focus of this passage of scripture. So he's in prison and John has a couple of his disciples around him, a couple of his buddies. And he says, uh, do you think Jesus really is the Messiah? Can you go ask him if he's really the Messiah? Because in, in his circumstance in prison, um, he began to doubt. And I think all of us, when we go through difficult things in our life and difficult circumstances in our life, we doubt. The goodness of God sometimes. I mean, do you relate to that? Yeah, I mean, sometimes, but it's also that like piece of my mind where it's like I can't doubt him because I know it's his plan. I have to be patient and it's gonna go south for me, but not for him. Well, you're way more mature than me. So good job. <laughs> so anyway, so what's cool about John the Baptist is so if ever you're in a circumstance in your life someday and you start to doubt God. And you start to doubt the true identity of Jesus Christ, because sometimes when things get hard, it gets a little muddy for Mm -hmm. for many of us. And that's what's going on with John the Baptist. But he does this amazing thing is that um, he felt alone and confused, no doubt about it. He was losing his confidence in the identity of Jesus. However, what he did was he expressed his doubts to his friends. He told his friends to go to Jesus. The instruction was like, go to Jesus and ask him these things. He went straight to the source. And I think as, as you are so young and you're, you're choosing like, who are my people? Who aren't my people? Mm -hmm. It's really important to have friends that are with you in your doubts and fears 
and they're going to point to Jesus. Yeah. They're not going to point to the book of opinions. They're not going to point to like a feel good situation, yeah. like a temporary fix, but they're going to say, Ethan, I will pray with you. I will be with you. And I'm, but let's go to Jesus. Yeah. That is so awesome. Mm-hmm. And I just think that we have to have friends in, in seasons of life that are difficult, that are going to be with us and, and help us point to Jesus and the truth that is in scripture. And it's beautiful interaction here. E like Jesus hears John's concern, encourages his faith, reminds him that he's in fact the Messiah. Um, And then Jesus in front of everyone says, let me tell you about John. So John's doubts and fears didn't disqualify um, John Mm -hmm. with Jesus. Like Jesus didn't freak out and say, oh, well, forget him. Like he didn't. He he just knew that it was okay. Like it was okay. You can bring your doubt and your fears to Jesus Christ, right? That is such an important thing to know. And so Jesus goes on and tells people that are in in that audience, um, there's nobody greater than John the Baptist, even though he had fear and he had doubts, right? That's encouraging to us, knowing that we can go to to Jesus with um our fears and our burdens and and we can confidently hand them to him and it doesn't disqualify us that jesus jesus knows it all right yeah. and he loves us um and so again and i want to i want to kind of read my notes here and we'll keep moving i know you've got baseball practice i love that we've got to spend this time together um but i don't think we can read 11 28 through 30 correctly unless we see the burden of doubt that John the Baptist carried to Jesus. Yeah. Jesus says this, and this is one of my favorite portions in scripture, because I think it truly illuminates the heart of Christ. And Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So John died in prison. His circumstances didn't change, but I'm confident that he rested in the peace that only comes from Jesus Christ because he did this. He did this like he took his burden to Jesus and he gave it to him. Mm -hmm. And and Jesus comforted him in a time that that was very difficult. And I believe I like scripture says, like, and you know this, I used to sing this to you when you guys were little but lie down and sleep and sleep in peace like i didn't write that that's <laughs> and i think that that that's what happened with john is that there was a peace that, that washed over him yeah. even though his circumstances didn't change because he knew that he needed to go directly to jesus with his burden yeah right yeah that's so good you're all ne- right you're never gonna find peace if there's no jesus that's right you're never gonna find peace without jesus maybe temporary peace but it'll never be the internal peace that you'll have every day that's goody that's a nugget that people need to write down when they listen to this podcast that's good stuff i love it you're wise beyond your years all right matthew 12 1 through 21 um matthew 12 9 through 13 is fascinating jesus heals a man with a shriveled hand and it is beautiful again like jesus enters these space and it's on the sabbath and it was big no-no back in those days but what i love is that um Jesus still does it. Like he values this man enough. He sees the suffering and the need and he's like, I'll heal you. He touches him. The man is healed and it's amazing. And, but what happens that day, Ethan, that day, the Pharisees plotted to kill Jesus after they witnessed this miracle. 
And it seems that these men, like these men that were that were the church people and the wise people of those days, put obedience of rules over their love for people. And I think that that's a very interesting thing to think about when we are saying like we're Christians, we should never, ever, ever put appearances or like behavioral modification over love of people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I just think sometimes it may not be cool to, uh, to uh, love first. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't think of an example right now, but what I do know is in front of the Pharisees, Jesus healed the suffering yeah. and, and did something that he wasn't supposed to mm-hmm. do, but he did it because his love for people was greater than obedience to a man-made law. Yeah. And so yeah. anyway, no, that's, that's big time. Again, heart of Christ, heart of Christ. love him more Real, all the time, love him more all the time. And so, all right, we're almost there, buddy. Day 16, Matthew 12, um, 22 through 45. Again, this is another crazy story. So now Jesus, he's rolling. He's been healing and doing amazing things. And and today we're, um, he, Jesus has this opportunity to heal a demon-possessed man. And this man was blind and mute. Um, and the Pharisees are continuing to get more mad and more mad and more mad. Um, they accuse Jesus at this time that like, okay, you're demon-possessed. Like Jesus actually... You're demon possessed. And what I love about Jesus Christ is he always responds with reasonableness, like super reasonable. He's like, okay, really? I'm demon possessed. Why would Satan attack his own team? The kingdom divided will be ruined. So Jesus is saying, look, this doesn't, your accusation about me just really doesn't make any sense. Like a divided kingdom will be ruined. Why would I kill some of my guys? Right. You see what I'm saying? And so in verse 28, Jesus tells his people that the kingdom of God has come upon you. And what a statement. That's incredible. They were probably like, oh my goodness, the kingdom of God is here. And so I think people might be starting to make a connection that Jesus is different, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so um, I think the verse that follows uh, or the verses that follow um, in in my notes, I was like, read them slowly because I was especially convicted as I read 12, 33 through 37. it's like our speech is going to indicate what's going on in our hearts. So pay attention to the words that come out of your mouth, because oftentimes the words that come out of our mouth indicate what's going on in our heart. And I don't think that like, if we say something, if we're super angry and we just fly off the handle, it's an opportunity to say, okay, Lord, like what is happening in my heart, you know? And so, and then when we read Proverbs, um, on day 16, it's just a beautiful proverb and it's Proverbs 2, 1 through 11. And as I read it, I was like, let's pray that we're diligent to search for wisdom, for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. And I think on day 16, I really started to think about what, where I need to be more mindful about the way that I speak yeah. and are my words encouraging to people or do my words hurt people? Hurt people? Or make people feel like they're not as worthy as they are. That's right. Like our words have power, don't they? Mm-hmm. Especially people respect you and you have to make sure what you're saying is meaningful to them and not tear them down because I mean, you might think, well, that wasn't that bad. Like, but they respect you. They think you're the world, but you say something that's just like, eh, but it might have to remain and then that really hurts them. That's you right. Know? Yeah. Our words have power. You're right. And especially in leadership. Yeah positions and so sometimes you might think we might forget like you're in that position like the people a person looks up to you but just gotta watch what you say that's right that's right because you're entering a season in your life where you are going to be a main leader on your 
baseball team. Mm -hmm. And because of Christ living in you, you have a power to represent Jesus on the field. Yeah. And you do that a lot by your words. And so, and I need you to remember this when you get mad at an umpire, like he matters too. Ethan. Yeah, he has a heart. <laughs> he has a heart too, Ethan. <laughs> so anyway, all right, last day um, in Matthew, and we are in, let me look it up, Matthew 12, 46 through 13, 17, and this is day 17, and the next week we'll jump in and start day 18. But Jesus is very clear about who his family is. So D Jesus is interacting with his family. His mama was like, hey, um, I'm out here. And, and Jesus is like, you're not my mom. And it seems really harsh at first, but I believe the message that Jesus was trying to convey is that Jesus values the spiritual family over the biological family. Um, a Christ follower becomes a part of the spiritual family united in Christ. Yeah. And I think for many people, if they have wonderful families, it feels harsh. You read that and you the presupposition that you bring to the text is like, oh, wait a second. That's harsh, Jesus. Yeah. But for those that were raised in abusive homes and were raised in homes where their biological family was a place of of, of hurt. Um, wow, this is encouraging to say, no, like we are a new creation. We belong to a new family. You have a father that loves you and um, your, your earthly father and your heavenly father. There is no comparison there. Even the best dads are not as faithful and loving as, as God, the father, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, but Jesus all in all, in a nutshell, is saying there's a big difference between the spiritual family and the biological family. And if the, we have family members in our families that don't know Jesus, yeah. like they have no. be be the one that shares the gospel. Yeah, be confident in sharing the gospel you. in your home because the relational equity, they're going to listen to mm -hmm. you. And so, um, all right, Matthew 13, 1 through 52. We're not going to go through all those verses. That wasn't part of our reading today, but it's setting up this portion of scripture about parables of the kingdom um, and parables are relatable stories. Jesus teaches us this way so we, he can illustrate spiritual truth. And so um, and then I wrote in my notes as I was reading this today that as a little girl, the parable of the soils made me really nervous. I remember listening to the pastor in church talking about how the seed was dispersed and, and the weeds choked it out. And I was like, no, I don't want soil like that. I want good soil. And I remember as a little girl praying at this desperate prayer to God and begging him like, Lord, please let me have good soil. I want um, good soil so I can produce something in my life. And honestly, Ethan, it took a really long time to establish roots and be confident to bloom. <laughs> I don't know really how to word it, but I didn't know how to express my faith as a little one. And I didn't know, or not even a little one, even your age, like consistently. Yeah. So what would happen to me is I was like, I want to do these things for God, but then life got in the way and I, I made mistakes. And then I felt disqualified and I felt like, well, I can't represent God because yeah. I've done this, 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 yeah. and this. And so I would true. just sort of shrink back. Right. Yeah. And so it took me a while to establish my roots and understand Jesus rightly and, and be able to be confident in my um, expression that I was a Christian, yeah. right? Um, anyway, so because sometimes I think our sin and our shame disqualifies us in such a way that we're afraid to bloom for Jesus, yeah. so to speak. Show. Yeah. show it. Yeah. It's if you feel like you don't want to be a hypocrite, but then we're all yeah. hypocrites. Like you, you feel like you can't say anything to anyone because they'll just have that, like, was it grudge against you? Yeah. Like, 
or judgment yeah this judgment this person has done this and that and they're they've been acting like this and they've said that like yeah i think people hold back a lot in that aspect because they're so worried about what other people are going to say back that's right and then we can look back at the old testament and then you can say now huh well god used that family and they were (laughs) pretty messed up but it's cool that god consistently jesus consistently uses imperfect people and it's a beautiful thing and so anyway it took a while for me to establish my roots but i wrote in my reflection today that as i sit in my office reflecting on little less in my desperate prayer about the passage of scripture um about this particular passage of scripture i can clearly see that god's been faithful in my life and god began a good work in me and i trust that he will complete what he started in that little Higgins, Texas United Methodist Church. Because that's where I heard the message. And that's where I had this pure desire as a little girl. I want to do something with the Lord. Like I want, I want to be, I want my life or the seed to be planted in good soil. But it just took a really long time for me to understand what it looked like to live for Jesus. Right. And so I don't know. I, I really enjoy reading this. I love doing this. And I love that we Got to talk about it today. Yeah, started my day great. Started your day great. Yeah. Started your day great. Thanks, Ethan. Of course. Is there anything you want to share before we get off of here? Uh, Maybe I'll get invited on again. You will definitely get invited on again. You had some great wisdom (laughs) nuggets. But anyway, I love, just so you all know, um, just I'm going to brag on Ethan for just one second before we get off of here. But Ethan's like the glue guy in our family. And so I love... Actually, I've learned a lot about leadership from Ethan because he just is so good at how, you know, all of us are going to reflect certain parts of Jesus in our life and with our friends. And some of us are just, you know, there's going to be an ease in some areas and harder in other areas. But what you're really good at is you really good are good at meeting people where they are. You're really good at seeing people. And that's something I've noticed watching you and all the teams that you've been on. There's never anyone that you don't talk to and interact with on your team. And I think that that is a sign of an amazing leader. Mm. Um, You're good at seeing people and you're good at loving people well. And um, I'm so honored to be your mom. It's really one of my greatest joys. (laughs) And you're the glue guy in this family. And um, everyone loves Ethan. So Jackson and you are really close. Grayson and you are really close. Reed and you are really close, with the exception of the clown scary thing at Halloween. Uh, yeah, sleeps me every night. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we are just crazy about Ethan Smith holiday in this house. So thanks for hanging with me today. Thank you for listening to Table 40 with Matt and Leslie Holiday, part of the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network. For more stories on sports intersecting with faith, visit sportsspectrum.com.